Happy Friday, pod lads and lasses. It's the penultimate episode of our Dave Weekly Daily Specials from Leicester, and we've got a cracking show to look forward to, featuring a man who knows a thing or two about podcasts, Mr Richard Herring. Yep, the chap who made best-selling shows out of such controversial subjects as the Hitler moustache, the male member and the son of God, is back telling us about love and Leicester. And contrary to popular belief, that's not the first time those two words have appeared together in a sentence. For instance, I love red Leicester cheese. Welcome to the Dave Wheatley Daily, Richard. Thank you very much. Lovely to be here. Excellent. We're in Leicester oh, in, yeah. a, in a lovely sort of uh, soundproofed recording studio, yeah. which feels like a real treat. <laughs> Normally, we've been in like basement clubs here, yeah. curry houses, <laughs> on the streets. That was, yeah, that wasn't even recording then. That was just weird. Um, but yeah, it's a lovely venue, isn't it? It's very nice. Yeah, I don't think I've, I've... I always say this, but then someone goes, you were here last year. I don't think I've ever played here before, in the curve before, but this is a very, very professionally run, <laughs> nice nice theatre. The, the, my, my nice tech was here straight away, Ollie, to put and help me, and yeah, he seems very efficient, so hopefully that's a good sign. Yeah, it's quite art century yes. this place, isn't it? It's got like a very varied programme. Yeah, I know. it's massive as well, so there's presumably three or four different rooms. The room I'm in is lovely, isn't mm. it? Some, yeah, not very nice. So I definitely haven't been there before. It's quite, I think it's like 400 seats or something. It's, it's very well put together. So. Yeah, marvellous. Well, I mean, it is a treat to have you on the show, particularly because I know that you're proud of your kind of Somerset roots yes. and uh, grew up in Cheddar, obviously, yes. a lovely place. However... I've got it on good authority that you are a Yorkshireman at heart. You were born in Pocklington. I was born in Pocklington, yeah. And, well, I'm uh, a Beverly man, so we're very close. There you go. Geographically. Yeah, my dad was working in Pocklington school, so I was born there in the hospital near there. Westo, it might have actually been in, but yeah. But And then my parents are all, my family's all from Middlesbrough, actually. So. Oh, okay. So but you yeah, progressively I, moved down the country. Yeah, we came down, we moved in, we actually lived in Loughborough for a little while. We lived on Leicester Road, Loughborough, which is very close to here, and uh, for until I was eight, and then I moved to Somerset when I was eight. So that's all my, most of my memories are from Somerset, but I support York. City and you know still feel like a Yorkshireman but with a good but also a Somerset Somerset Shire man as well oh you've got such conflicting (laughs) parts of your personality your kids are going to be born in Portugal or somewhere just moving down the date line Um, I I actually saw as well um, because Pocklington obviously is a local place to me we know our local celebrities around there Aid Edmondson yes also a Pocklingtonian yeah I saw that he went to school and I met him a few years ago and I was doing something with him and I I talked to him about Pocklington he wasn't there (laughs) all those memories he wasn't the same time I I remember a little bit about Pocklington (laughs) but not very much but I was trying to work out whether he would have been there when my dad was teaching there, but of course he wouldn't have been because I, I, I left when I was four, so who'd have, he's only like, well, he's only a little bit older than me. He, nearly, he might nearly have been there at the same time <laughs> as my dad, but he didn't reckon, he didn't remember my dad, so I don't know. It's quite a fine comedy pedigree from uh, what's a relatively modest population yeah. in a little East Yorkshire <laughs> kind of town. There must be someone pushing through right now, the next green shoots, who is it going to be? I don't know, we'll find out. Although I went back to Pocklington. There's a little art centre there, and I did a stand-up gig there about four or five years ago now, and it felt like, you know, I thought it would be a big homecoming, and it was actually quite a bad gig. It was. <laughs> I kind of started going, I was born in Pocklington, I thought they'd all go, wee, and they just went, so what? We don't like defectors yeah. in your show. <laughs> and so it, when I think it was a long evening, and I was on late, and it, I'd driven all the way. It was when I was just going around the country, getting back into stand-up, and I just took any gig I could get, I think. And I, I think, I, I, maybe I didn't, maybe I did stay in Pocklington. But I, I, often I would drive back from Yorkshire if I was, you know, because you were just doing these little mm. gigs. So I was, I was, I was driving around. But uh, yeah, it was a quite a depressing gig. But I mean, well, <laughs> a good, a good send off <laughs> to the next question. Yes. A depressing gig to set you up <laughs> for all this comedy. Um, 
What I was going to say is it's an apt week to have you in, really. It's quite right. fitting because your show is called What Is Love Anyway? Yeah. And this week, uh, obviously, if you listen to this far uh, sort of <laughs> later on, you, you won't realise the significance, but this week is the week where smug couples are allowed to s- smash their smugness into non-couples' faces exactly. with the backing of corporate companies. Yes. It's Valentine's Day. It was this week. Yeah, yesterday. Yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts on kind of, you know, having done this show, you're about to get married, <laughs> so you've got to be... So I imagine you've got to be quite sort of careful with what you say. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? Well, I, I, you know, I'm not a massive fan of Valentine's Day because I think it, you know, it's sort of if you're in love with someone, you shouldn't have to have a special day to celebrate that. And also, it's got to be spontaneous, right? Love. So the idea of having a day where you've got, I think it's it's bad for everyone. As I say, it makes uh, sad, lonely people. The patron saint, Saint Valentine's, the patron saint of making sad, lonely people feel like shit. <laughs> and um, and if you're in a relationship, then the pressure's on. And if you, you know, you, I always, I just hate any of those days where you're in pressure to to perform or you know or to to have fun you know I hate new year's eve because you're meant to have so mm, much fun yeah exactly and and it's just too much always right? an anticlimax yeah and i think with i think with valentine's day i just it seems wrong that it's kind of prescribed when you've got to do it Though I do, you know, I do join in, but I, there's a, I do a routine about how I, I start. I, well, there's two routines about Valentine's Day in the show because my parents got together on Valentine's Day when they were 13. My mum sent my dad a card that's uh, that I talk about in the show, and also with my girlfriend, we'd only just got together just before Valentine's Day four years ago, and uh, that's that, awkward, isn't yeah. it? It's and like getting together before a birthday or something. Yeah, and so how you, do you deal with it? You can't go too far because even like a massive gesture could actually derail everything so mm. I, I did this little i did this little romantic gesture because she wanted to build a ferrero rocher pyramid like in the ferrero rocher ad so i mm. bought her this <laughs> a bought, rational uh, goal I, I bought her a single ferrero rocher and said you know we'll, i'll get you one every valentine's day and then eventually you'll have it if we stay together long enough you'll have enough to build your pyramid but this has turned into a big routine because i started doubling the to get it a bit faster i started doubling the ferrero rochers and that's <laughs> you know this put i mean it was 16 this year but it by uh 2030, I'll be buying 2,097,152 for our <laughs> oh, chocolates. So there's a big routine about that. Yeah. <laughs> so Valentine's Day is quite apt for the show. And the show is quite a romantic show. It's, it's kind of interestingly, one person got in touch with me to say she'd uh, dumped her boyfriend straight after the show. And someone got in touch with <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, thanks for buying me those tickets. <laughs> and someone got in touch with me to say they'd got engaged straight after the show. So I think it's a good gauge of how your relationship is. She was quite glad to dump her boyfriend. But I think she saw the show and said, right, this guy I'm with isn't the one, you know what mm. I mean? So She needed the catalyst yeah, to so I think seeing she, you. So it's a risk. If he comes a couple, it's a risk. You have to be sure. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a risk either way because you might end up having to marry someone. You might not be wanting to get married yeah, and then, exactly. then you have to get married. So it's, uh, But yeah, I mean, I was fascinated, but obviously uh, partly having been with my... When I started uh, writing the show, I'd been with my girlfriend for three years and obviously we were thinking about what the next step was and, and I'd always avoided commitment. And so it's been quite a big deal for me to, you know, to get engaged and, and be getting married and everything. So that was... One of the, that was start of the sort of the things I was thinking about when I was putting the show together. So it was, it had, it's all been, yeah, quite an apt, apt time for me to do it. I suppose. When you were well. talking about the the gesture giving your girlfriend the Ferrero Rocher, yeah. I thought you were going to say I only gave her one, but I took her to the pyramids to do it. That was the <laughs> innate romantic in me, and it made me. <laughs> that's so what, what you're I saying. Gone, I should do. I would have gone well wrong because I would have started at the pyramids. On our, on our wedding, I should go to the. I could go to the pyramid geese and cover it in Ferrero Rocher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then next, the Great Wall of China and a box of roses or something like that. I don't know. But um, I had the exact same problem when I was in sixth form. Yeah. I started going out with a girl like the week before uh, kind of Valentine's which is my birthday so she didn't know what to get me for my birthday just got me a CD and then so I was like well she made an effort the pressure's on so I went out and got her like a, a silver necklace Oh yeah. and I much. thought that's kind of romantic and yeah. nice but we're about 17 at this point she bought me some boxer shorts with hearts on them Yeah. and that's really awkward when you're giving those two gifts yeah. what, you, oh, oh I'd like to see you in that <laughs> well you know you wear them at your leisure but <laughs> that didn't yeah, go well didn't go well not still with her lasted two weeks no, <laughs> lasted just 
after Valentine's Day. <laughs> Never mind. That's Can like I have it. the receipt, please? But you see, my mum and dad were the 13 and they're still together. My dad was 14, mum was 13. It's six, so it's, yesterday was their 61st anniversary. That's of, amazing. Of, of congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Them. Amazing, amazing work. Yeah. It doesn't I mean, happen anymore, does no, it? No, no, it doesn't actually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I was sort of looking at the, the, the kind of the the genesis of, of where you came up with this idea and, and yeah. kind of in the in the blurb for, for the show you actually referenced the song um, it's Howard Jones 1983 hit yes. What is Love yeah. uh, and I thought that was quite an interesting sort of start point because yes. it's quite a cynical song in yeah. many ways well, that's why I quite like it you know, What is Love Anyway does anybody love anyone anyway he's managed cleverly A managed to ra- rhyme anyway with anyway <laughs> yeah, a full is, rhyme which, <laughs> which is fantastic uh, gets you out of trouble if you just stick the same word at the end of every sentence uh, but yeah it's quite a cynical thing but I, you know I thought that it, I think it was um, again often with these shows I immediately have the title before anything else and that was it just I, I didn't want to do love and that just felt like the right the right yeah. title because it, it was about what I was trying to do as well I like to take a big subject and try and investigate it and find what, what it is and I kind of realised well, I was doing Christ on a Bike which is all about religion and I was sort of knocking mm. religion for 90 minutes and at the end I said it was alright to believe in God because we all believe in crazy made up rubbish in order to get through our bleak and desolate pointless lives and I suggested that love was as delusional and unprovable and faith based as religion is yet we all believe in that uh, and the audience would often be a bit unsettled by that as if, you know, as if I was saying, oh, no, hold on. Now you're having a magical thing that I believe in, <laughs> even though they've been laughing at religion for all this time. So I, I immediately thought, well, that's interesting. And then and then the minute you sort of think about what love is, it's really hard to define it or mm. or know when you actually were in love and aren't you been in love with someone that's died. Was that love or not? And is it, you know, and where is it? Is it just a chemical reaction in the brain or is it something more than that? So I realized immediately it was a very rich subject there. But it also as a comedian, it's great to challenge something that's just accepted that people don't really eat you know for me those closed systems of thought which religion sort of was for a long time you mm. know no one even questioned it and you weren't allowed to question it and you have to ask yourself why you're not allowed to question something if you, because the only reason there can be for so not questioning something someone's interest. well you know because it can if it's true you can question it you know mm. so you can, you can question physics mm. and, and and you can experiment with physics and if you manage to find a mistake in physics it will change uh, and so uh, you know with religion and with these faith-based things you're not allowed to question them or we don't question them because actually it might all start come tumbling down. So, I, you know, it was interesting to me to think, well, you know, am I in love? What is love? You know, all these things are kind of interesting. And and, and I also realised, you know, again, you come up with the title and the idea first and then you mm. write it sometime later. I um, did notice that there's a show on here uh, later on which it takes the, the Greek... Oedipus right. uh, legend and has been called Oedipussy. Oh, right. um, I think someone's thought of a title first <laughs> yes. and they're working backwards <laughs> I think maybe. to create a show. It's a good title. We've got a winner. <laughs> we, we've got a winner here. As long as it's based on Octopussy as well as Oedipus. That's that what we, we hoped it was. Kind of Greek, but with a, a spy thriller <laughs> yeah. edge. Um, but um, yeah so you know it kind of it felt like a bit a big subject and I, and, but I, I also realised as I, I'd come up with a couple of routines one was the Frere Rocher thing I'd been writing about last Valentine's Day in my blog and I'd been writing about around that time I'd been writing about a few things I'd write about my dry cleaners who put like a thing on my on my dry cleaning saying we love our customers and I kind of realised both of those were potential routines straight away <laughs> you know and so I kind of had a couple of ideas but I also thought there'll be lots of autobiographical stuff it was actually a really easy show to put together you mm. know I, t- I tend to write a show in a couple of months and then I'm developing it over the over the course of the tour and changing it and adding and t- subtracting and, and experimenting really for the, for the whole time I'm doing it but uh, you know this one came together pretty quickly and, and you know I had way too many stories I dropped a few of them but it but it was it became this kind of autobiographical thing rather than I had you know I, I'm thinking I might have done some stuff about the science of love and which I often do with these things I read a lot of books and then try and 
actually mm. come up with some answers. But there isn't really very much science about it. Scientists don't. Scientists keep a bit quiet about it because they think, don't. They don't know what it is. Yeah, well, I think what you're saying about uh, <laughs> like relating it to religion is is very true because I think people have this romanticized to to kind of use a related area, but a romanticized idea that there's certain things that if you make them tangible, it takes away their kind of the specialness, the uniqueness that makes them so kind of life affirming. Yeah. And I think sometimes that provides more excuses than it ever could yeah, answer. You know, I don't. I sort of don't agree with that. This, you know, Keats talked about unweaving the rainbow and destroying it by explaining it. And I, I actually disagree. You know, I think the more you understand something, so there is a bit in the show where I talk about if science is true and it's just a chemical reaction, it's just a sexual imperative. That's kind of maybe not so romantic, but also 13 billion years ago, we were just atoms inside a super mm. dense concentrated piece of matter that we couldn't think or feel, <laughs> and that exploded, and those atoms have gone on a journey and become our brains and hearts, and and you know, and we you meet at the right time. The kind of randomness and the impossibility of mm. it to me make it much more romantic, certainly than the idea of fate, which sort of implies it's all written in advance, yeah. which, which is like, depressing, isn't yeah, it? Already? Much more depressing. I can't do anything to change this, <laughs> yeah. and it also makes people lazy because you're going to sit back and wait for it to happen. It means means if you meet someone who isn't perfect, you think, oh, well, this isn't my soulmate, so I'll move on. Yeah, exactly. Whereas love is just about finding someone you get on with pretty well and trying to, mm. and doing your best with it. If you I have think. a rubbish life, yeah. you think, I was destined to have that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not going to make you very happy. And you know, you need to get out there and fight, you know, and I've been in those situations where I've been single for a long period of time and you can sit, you're not going to get meet anyone sitting in your bed, you know, sitting on your Amen. sofa, safer, <laughs> say, let's say, playing video games, but doing whatever you're doing on your sofa. Well, now online, <laughs> there's so much connectivity exactly. there, you, you probably could. Um, but uh, yeah, I kind of think it's, uh, it's a weird uh, yeah. sort of concept to tackle, isn't it? And it's great that it's kind of, you know, bringing people together and splitting them apart because it actually shows that love isn't something that you can write down on a piece of paper. No, exactly. I think if it was, then you could read one of those Daily Mail how-to guides, <laughs> the equation, and everyone would be as happy as exactly. all their reporters presumably are. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's all about, you know, it's all for individual. And I think that's I mean, what's, what's getting more wonderful about our world is you're allowed to be who you are, whoever you are, you know, and... and there was a much more kind of in my parents' generation. You know, it was sort of you would meet someone and that would be kind of it, really. Mm. It's it sort of almost like arrange, arrange marriages that you chose yourself. You know, really, which may be a good way of doing it. Arrange marriages are meant to work better than marriages. Yeah. So uh, they have a greater success rate. But you know, yeah, but it's now, the imminent fear of reprisal yeah, that probably keeps people married. But now, you know, now you're allowed to. You know, you're allowed to. You're allowed to fall in love for a, a month and that's all right. And you're allowed to love whoever you want. And you know, you're allowed to get married to someone of the same sex, which is great. You and the animals next and bicycles, yeah, yeah, you know, it'd be great. Absolutely. Then the minerals. Then to love everyone, but not children. No, you can't love no. Not, you can love them in a nice way, but yeah, not, yeah, not in that way. Only in the right way. Yeah. Um, well, I did notice as well that the uh, the early 80s was a golden period yes. for uh, people questioning the nature of love. I don't know. Obviously, there was Howard Jones' yeah. hit, which, which you take inspiration from. There was also Foreigner. Um, asking, I want to know what love is oh, the year true. afterwards. Yeah, good um, point. Whereas Howard Jones provided some answers, <laughs> of which were fairly bitter. For foreigners, I've, I've just written it down here. I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. Ah, whoa, ooh, ooh. <laughs> which I think to many people, that probably is what love is. Yeah. They ran out of inspiration then. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to answer this guy? No, let's leave it quite rhetorical. Um, but yeah, I thought that was quite interesting. You that probably is... picked the right song yeah, to, so. to kind of evaluate. I know what love is. It would have been a good title as well. That was, I didn't think of that. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is you Too did later. declare your love for your girlfriend on live breakfast TV, I didn't did, you? I did, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. How cool. was that? Was that kind of seen as a romantic gesture? Or was I that... don't know. My girlfriend's always, my fiance, I should call her, is always very sceptical. She was worried about me doing this show because she thought I was going to be 
dis- demolishing romantic love and everyone would think that uh, I didn't like her. But I think ultimately the show shows that uh, I you know how much I do love her. So, you know, I was happy to, you know, I, I don't know if she took it as romantic or not. <laughs> I don't know the thing with me. I'm half, you know. Prompted I, by Bill Turnbull. <laughs> you rushed in there. <laughs> you know, I'm taking the piss and, you know, and a little bit out of her. But I think, you know, I think... It's always with affection because, you know, I take the piss out of myself and it's with affection. I take the piss out of my family and it's with affection. I think for me, comedy is a way of showing you like someone as much as anything, you know. So if it's the right kind of thing, it's all right. So she hasn't been too upset although I've started, started revealing some of the odd things she says to me and she's I don't I don't know how happy she is about that girls she's, love that don't they which, uh, well, she's she, you know she's but she's very clever and funny and she's a comedian as well but she's um she's just kind of got these massive gaps in her knowledge like you know we, and the thing that I talk the one the one I talk about on the stage is we were watching the west wing which is about the president of the united states obviously and the, they go into the oval office and this guy says Where, where's the red phone to the kremlin uh, and the, the the president says we don't have that anymore and then a few minutes later, the person says, anyway, we better ring the Pope. And my girlfriend turned to me and she said, is the, is the Pope the Gremlin? Is that what they call <laughs> the, the And A, who, who, think, who hasn't heard of the red phone to the Kremlin? And B, who would think that the President of the United States would refer to the Pope as the Gremlin and not spark a kind of international holy war? Yeah, that would be their cheeky nickname for the... Yeah, yeah, yeah closed the doors. <laughs> They're not quite openly calling just it... Just on the, internal memos. the red phone to the Gremlin? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't like the idea of just being a phone to the Pope. Anyway, they would have a red phone. Get me the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a kind of Batman villain. Just so, don't feed him after so, midnight yeah, exactly <laughs> so she's just uh, so she's kind of you know it's kind of interesting that she has these little blocks yeah but, uh, but, but no, no wonder her, her sort of her tongue fails her sometimes in reverence to the king of Edinburgh <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> of course we should probably uh, sort of clarify this just very quickly you, I am the king of Edinburgh people have called me that I don't like it yeah, you were, last, it. last year you were christened the, yeah. the king of Edinburgh in what I imagine is a nod to the uh, the worthy successor of Idi Amin the last king of Scotland so well, Will Prince you be... Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh. Oh, absolutely. I've usurped him already. I'm uh, yeah, one, I'm one yeah. He's just one of your many yeah. subjects there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, this, this this show was a huge hit in Edinburgh. Yeah. And uh, you are like known as the That's most what I, I'm persistent like... performer at Edinburgh. Yeah, okay, I definitely am persistent. That's all I've got. The Rich Herring Award for Persistence would be, <laughs> when I'm dead, that will be given to someone else. I still I still won't win it. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, you've got to keep got to keep going away. You know, I've done Edinburgh 20 times. I've done 32 shows, I think. I'll be up, going up and doing a couple of shows again this year. So it's, you know, it's. I think it's, well, for me, this is now, the live performance is mostly my most of my job, you know, and I, and I think it is the job. I see myself mm. as a stand-up comedian and all the other, you know, I do get to do other things. I get to do radio shows and a bit on bits and pieces on TV and my podcast and everything but for me that's all just a way of getting people to come to the live shows so interestingly having done all the you know certainly the podcast I'm really working hard at the stand-up over the last five or six years especially I've kind of managed to build a reasonable sized audience yeah when 10 years ago like 30 people would come and see me in a lot of places you know to come to somewhere like this and get 400 people in Leicester which is not a town I come to very often that's kind of incredible you know and obviously by Michael McIntyre and Peter Gay's standard it's nothing but in in terms you know that's a really lovely size audience it's almost the perfect size sort of 500 to a thousand i think yeah is as big absolutely. as you want to go as a as a as a punter and as a comedian you know you, you you're in touch with everyone in the audience you can kind of sense them all and you know you get a feeling in the room with that if it's ten thousand, i don't understand why people go and watch comedy with ten thousand mm. people in the audience because you might as well just wait for Can't the dvd engage. to come a two-way out two-way thing isn't it a <laughs> yeah comedy show well you know it's nice to have so but you know obviously when you're playing a 30 certainly in a 500 <laughs> seat theater way than the other yeah end, it's, it? it's about that's once you can do that you know you learn to do that and you can do anything and so in a way i've been very fortunate that i you know we, that we you know we nearly 
Stu and I nearly kind of obviously became like big big stars early on in our career, and mm. it didn't. We stayed as cultish stars, but we didn't get break through that ceiling. I think what you we have were, is integrity now. Well, it worked for both <laughs> of us because we would, you know, I really think we, you know, we would have, we would've, our careers would have gone in a very different way mm. uh, if we'd been really hyper successful. And actually, now having built it up, a I, a I went back to the start and started again and built it up. So I really appreciate it when people come now, but also you know you learn how to play those rooms and doing sort of, I mean, twenty years really of performing but 10 years of solo performing mm. you get really good at it but you know if you if you're snapped up after 2 years you don't get that chance to really perfect the art you know hone the craft of it and I so I think you're right I think and so it's right. a really fortunate position that I think you know and I don't really mind if people haven't heard of me or saw me 10 20 years ago and don't think I'm any good or you know whatever have decided what they like if the pe- if I'm doing good shows and the people are there then that's that's kind of enough for me it's in yeah. the, it's in the instant it's very disposable comedy really anyway it's not going to be around you know if you, not much comedy lasts 10 or 20 years even you know some last 50 60 years but most things I intend this podcast disappear. to go on. This could be this, forever. They're going to be listening to yeah. this in the 23rd century. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hello, future people. Um, but talking about live shows, you are taking this show around the country, What yeah. Is Love Anyway, um, throughout the next two or three months, aren't you? So Yeah, it goes on till May the 8th, I think. I mean, most of it's till the end of April, but it's pretty much every day till the end of mm. April that I'm getting married in the middle of April. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, yeah. So do go check out Richard if you get the chance. And uh, thanks for coming and joining us. No, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. And so we bid goodbye and a regal farewell to the Lord of Love and King of Edinburgh himself, Mr Richard Herring. Do check him out because he is blooming marvellous. And if you're at a real loss of things to do, you can check me out tonight. Yeah, well, here's producer Simon with the details. Yeah, so Ben, you are performing um, at Late Night Laughter at KL in Leicester. Um, I'll just, just read out the little, the little blurb Please here. do, please um, do. Uh, compare Spiky Mike introduces three of our favourite acts from the festival who join us for some late night revelry may include stars making secret appearances <coughs> will definitely feature funny people that will make you laugh guilty and you Ben oh thanks well anyway so that yeah that's me 10.45 tonight at KL in Leicester if you're really bored or you've just got an enemy that you're trying to take for a night out something like that maybe pop down and heckle it's up to you anyway thanks again to Richard Herring do join us on Monday for our roundup of the festival where we'll have highlights of my stand up gig if there are any highlights we will have them and we'll also be speaking to probably the most sexually alluring comedian we had on the whole of the, the last series, Mr Paul Foote, will be dropping by to salivate over myself and Simon. So do join us on Monday. In the meantime, check us out at join underscore Dave forward slash podcast. Tweet us at join underscore Dave and me at Ben Shires. And I will see you if I make it out alive on Monday. Till then, toodles doodles. The Dave Weekly is a Pixie production for Dave, presented by me, Ben Shires, and produced by Simon Cooper.